Freebooters Network. Hi, this is Devin Track with the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of 40K Radio. And now, on with the show. Welcome to 40K Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of 40K Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Alex. With me, as always, is JF. Hello. And Amy. Hello. And today we have a interview for you. We're going to be talking to James from Steve Studios. If you remember, we talked to him last year right about this time. Uh, that was going to be his first Adepticon. So we'll find out how that went and what he's got coming up this year. But as always, you know, we like to touch base about what we've been doing lately. Secret Adepticon projects and whatnot. Um... We'll start with JF. Hi, I've been going through a crisis because I went to the eye doctor on Monday and then immediately lost my contact lenses. And I still have a bunch of infantry to paint before Adepticon. So that's a lot of fun because I need to do that while wearing glasses that hurt my face when I wear them. That being said, it's also a good excuse to take painkillers a lot, so that's the thing. <laughs> um, but otherwise, uh, as far as hobbies concerned, I've been playing with electronics, which is always something that I enjoy doing. Electronics and um, UV resin, which mm-hmm. is an uncommon mix. Cool. But the results are pleasing. I may post a small video with, that has a, a lot of me heavy breathing, <laughs> but also uh, cool visuals. I was holding the phone too close to my face, <laughs> and I cannot get the audio off of the video without having to go like into Adobe Premiere because I am lazy, too lazy to update my other easier-to-use software. <laughs> Not firing up Premiere for this, so um, enjoy. <laughs> awesome. How about you, Amy? Oh yeah, no, it's all it's all Defcon Adepticon over here. I'm doing a lot of ancillaries. Like I've got a lot of models that there's they've they've got some paint on them. Uh, <laughs> soon they will have three paints on them, and we'll we'll call that a day. Uh, but yeah, no, I've been up to my eyeballs in all of the extra bits that go along with being in the team tournament because the team tournament is not just armies by any stretch, and so. Uh, yeah, it's a good time. Like, I'm psyched and it's fun, but who oh boy, I could sure use a couple weeks. <laughs> I think I'm <clears throat> in the same spot. I'm uh, working on my Titanicus stuff to finish for Devscon. Um, plan uh, Painted Sisters of Battle Army uh, before Devscon isn't going to happen for me, yeah. for the yeah. friendly, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring some Necrons instead. There you go. But I'm glad I had a backup. Yes. <laughs> um, I also this week found, uh, well, looking through Facebook, a bunch of retro 40K groups like 40K Second Edition, Battlefleet Gothic, and I didn't know they all had events at Adepticon. Oh. So I think next year might be a specialist games year for me at Adepticon. Try and get on like the BFG and uh, the Epic and um, all that kind of good stuff. But I was surprised there was a... A um, 
Second edition 40K group had uh, a thousand members, including Andy Chambers, who was commenting on posts about, yeah, back when I did this, this is what I, this is why I did it, which is kind of cool. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Oh, Andy. <laughs> you were on the, uh, the, you were, were at the Geek Nation tours thing the year I was there, right, Jeff? Um, I was, no, I wasn't part, I've never done Geek Nation tour uh, at oh. a Depticon because, I love Geek Nation Tour. I went on one of their trips in Scotland, and it was fantastic. But at at Adepticon, I don't. I already have all my events planned, and I can't imagine going bowling on top of what I'm already doing. Yes. No. Sorry. I did. I, I, I did. I did meet Andy Chambers at Adepticon. Uh, I was. We volunteered to fill some swag bag, and as we were doing so, he was walking around being all guest of honor and stuff. So I told him to get his ass on the production line and help us. <laughs> and he did. Nice. And it took 15 minutes for the people around me to notice they were filling swag bags <laughs> with Andy Chambers. And it was the best moment I've ever had as a Depticon. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was talking about um, he came to one of the Geek Nation Tours uh, podcast nights. It was probably that same year that he was there. But... That's pretty funny, though, <laughs> that he has jumped on and started helping you guys. That's pretty – that's nice of him, though. No, he's a decent dude. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's a good guy. Hey, Andy, give us a hand. And it, he did. It, it was, was great. It was, it was funny. He was talking about at the Geek Nation tour. thing, like, yeah, I can go anywhere and not be a celebrity except for, like, here. Um, I mean, that's bragging. It took 15 minutes for the people. Yeah, I know. True, true. <laughs> but... no, he was even there, so. <laughs> well, he doesn't have that crazy. Rain it in, Andy. Rain it in. He doesn't have the crazy long hair from his uh, white dwarf days anyway. Not anymore. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes with Seed Studios. All right, and we are back with James from Sheen Studios. James, how you doing? Really well, thank you. Really well. Great. Well, thanks for joining us again. It was uh, just about a year ago that you had uh, hopped on with us last year. That, that was going to be your first Adepticon last year. So tell us, how did that go? Uh, it was incredible, if I'm honest with you. Um, completely, completely was not prepared for uh, how big a convention it is. <laughs> Being honest, it was, uh, it's, it's, I mean, the people said to me it was, it was massive and it's a very big convention, but... Um, they were half kidding. It was absolutely ridiculous. So, um, so yeah, it was good. And, you know, for those of you who might not know, Siege Studios is a commission-paying studio uh, based over in, in the UK. So what were you doing at Adepticon last year as related to Siege Studios? Uh, well, pretty much. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the, the US, US is like 20 times bigger in the sense of, obviously, landmass and well much bigger than that landmass but just in the, in the sense of the community and the, the industry uh, it's, it's 20 times bigger than than, than the uk so uh, obviously wanting to you know uh, introduce ourselves to the, to the u.s market a lot more um you know we, we even though we're an international business and we have clients and customers all over the world um you know making the effort to actually come over and shake someone's hand and put a face to name is something that i think is very important for us as a business and um you know uh, it's something that, quite frankly, not a lot of people do. Uh, I'm quite a bit old school when it comes to building relationships, and, uh, and I, I come from a recruitment industry background. So, meeting meeting your clients and and, and meeting the people that are dealing business with you is, is is quite an important thing for us. Yeah, definitely. I think you know there's a lot of sort of misconceptions about sort of the uh, the commission painting business. I don't think people really understand sort of how you operate. Um, yeah. 
So yeah. <laughs> how does it how does it usually work? Um, well, well, firstly, what you have to understand, and, and, uh, and I always say this very, very black and white and, and, and straight to the point, because the industry is very much like the Wild West, uh, being honest with you. Um, and the reason why I say that is because there's no regulation. Uh, there's no sort of set standard or um, there's no sort of guidelines as, as to how companies should operate um, or, you know, and because this is because our industry, not just commission painting, but because our industry comes from very much, a, um, you know, a John and Fred in their garage or shed kind of background, um, you know, commercially, the, the miniature industry is about three to, three to five years behind, maybe a bit more, five to seven years behind other industries in, in the sense of how they're commercialised. Um, you know, that's because it does come from a hobby background. Um, and when you combine that with the fact that painting miniatures is essentially a trade, it's experience and it's, ability, it's painting ability, you know, um, in, in individuals or in companies, um, and it's an art form. Um, if you're an electrician, you have to go to college or learn how to do it. If you're a carpenter, you have to go to, you know, college or learn how to do it or have some form of training or, um, you know, set to paint to work to a certain standard. And commission miniature painting is, is exactly the same, but it has no regulation, no governing body, no uh, set standards, no set of levels of quality. Um, and on top of that, it's an art form. So it, it's, it's the only industry, I'd say, that is a trade, but it's completely unregulated. Uh, and that's the way that I could explain it. You could have someone, you know, before I won't go into eBay pro painting because that's a whole new level of... Of, of things <laughs> but um but it's you know it's very um it's very unregulated and i think that's something that a lot of people don't realize that you know one person's quality level is very different from another person's quality level if that makes sense um so that that's that's kind of how it is in a nutshell i can probably point to a similar industry actually i i've uh, i'm i'm trained in graphic design i work in marketing now but graphic design at least in north america is it's exactly that. Like anybody that has Photoshop and Illustrator can claim to be a graphic designer, and there's yeah. there's no governing body. There's nothing to really control who can claim to be a graphic designer. And there are they're very few. They're they're, they're very rare. But untrained graphic designers who do very well. And but but again, like no one there, there's no one that really keeps an eye on that to say who should be allowed to. Like what? What level of quality and training is necessary? There's you can get a diploma in graphic design, but the diploma only shows that you've studied, and anybody that has a good portfolio can just undercut you and, and just you know grab clients from you. So it's very yeah, similar in that sense. Yeah, I didn't I didn't, I didn't really think of that one to be perfectly honest. So yeah, you're quite right. Um, yeah, I mean it, it, this is the thing. Like I mean. I don't know if you're too familiar with it in the States, but um, in Europe, and there's well, there a Swedish Swedish company, but in Europe we have something called Trustpilot. Um, and what, what Trustpilot is, is it's a third-party review website. So you, your clients and customers go on there um, through a link that you send them and they leave you a review. Um, well, well, Siege is the only company to have that. Um, you know, we spend four figures a year, you know, without going into too much detail, we spend four figures a year just to have a Trustpilot account because it's the only thing that, essentially gives us some form of regulation and shows the quality level which we offer as a business um you know it's it's a very it's a very it's a, because it started in the hobby background and it came from that kind of industry um you know it's 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 very different to any i mean i worked in a very very regulated industry before i went full-time running siege or doing siege and then became obviously more of a came off the tool so to speak and started actually running the business about 
three, four years ago. Um, it's, you know, I've had situations where people have copied stuff off our website, um, where I've had to take them to court and things like that, and they've turned out to be like a youngster in his bedroom, do you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a very, it's a very, very different industry to what I was used to when I first went full-time doing it, if that makes sense. Um, you know, it's, I, I've, I've never known anything like it, to be, to be fair. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, you're right about the graphic design. Another similarity with graphic design that I think is probably interesting is I and tell me if I'm wrong, but I bet you run into situations where clients don't know what quality is either. Yeah. So you you as a professional know that you're providing a, a higher standard product, but then your client says, "Well, I can get I can get the same thing for half the price from like my my nephew." Yeah, I mean, I mean that that falls into you know, um, I'm just whether it be teaching that we do or whether it be the, um, the you know the, the when we get new staff or there's only painters that the sort of training that we go through with those new painters but um but the thing is is unfortunately with with things like amazon things like uh things like uh next day delivery and all these kind of things the one commodity which we don't get any more of which really is and without getting too deep in it for, for for a podcast the 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 one thing or the one commodity that people do not value is time. Um, you know, because it's not this physical thing you can hold and grasp and manipulate in your hand or feel, people don't value it. And um, and all experiences, I mean, you talk about painters who've got a 20, 30 years experience or 15 years experience or are competition winners, competition finalists. That experience and ability is only time invested wisely or invested to create that ability, if that makes sense. So really experience and also the actual action of painting models are exactly the same thing um but unfortunately because of because of patients being mitigated on a daily basis because buy things like next day delivery amazon buy it now get it tomorrow you know all that kind of stuff people don't value it um and then that's that's what why you get some people that do massively massively um undercharge for for their time and they are painting miniatures for a very minimal amount you know and, and, and it is because it is that that hobby i'm enjoying this and painting these models i enjoy doing it and they're not treating it as a business if that makes sense um you know so so that's that's kind of like the reason why but um yeah it's, it's that, that's you'll always come up against that but it's a con it's, it's a consumer's market if they want to buy if they want to pay cheap then a lot of the times you will get back with that unless you're, you're you're dealing with someone who doesn't value their time um that's the best way to explain it you know, I think you mentioned something that a lot of people don't realize is that when you bring a new painter on, they actually have to go through like a training process, right? It's not yeah. just like, oh, you're a good painter, come be on my staff. Like they have yeah. a whole, you have a whole training thing you have to do. What's that like for somebody coming in? It's uh, it's very interesting. The thing is, is again, uh, we, we I always look for, you know, we always hire people that are in the UK, um, and uh, we get people ask us, oh, I, I'm, I live in this country, I live in this country, and and really. You know, um, they, they they tend to need to be in in the country that the business is operating in, if that makes sense. Even though we've got international clients uh, and all of that, um, we we really like to have painters that are there. But the training process, you know, uh, the training process that depends on the, the painter. If they if they come from different backgrounds, we've got different different backgrounds within the team of thirty painters that we've got. Um, the majority of them are competition winners and competition finalists, or um, ex-industry uh, leading manufacturer painters and i'm sure you'll know who that is um they they they, they come from that background um but the others that don't 
go through our training process where they go on one of our or multiple of our courses uh, and they have training from the senior team um, across all areas of miniature painting, whether it be you know um, simple simple sort of uh, the basics all the way up to sort of more skilled and experienced stuff, like for example freehand and, and all these different techniques that you see across the range of models we produce. So it's, it's yeah, we, we we really really put instill a lot of time and effort into training a team that come from a lesser experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, <clears throat> so you're saying you have a staff of uh, uh, 30 painters now, and I see that you're you're still going to bring more people on board too. Yeah, 100. percent Yeah, uh, it's, you know, as I said, I come I come from from a recruitment background, so it's, it's it's really passionate and important for me to to always be looking for for the next next progress people in the business so they go up they go up a level you know and they start either taking on the higher high level work or they start becoming part of the training staff that start training other members of staff or to start running courses and start teaching um so we're always looking to, to for, for, for the next talent to join the business always always 100 percent you know you're only what well, siege is only as good as the team that it has and you know i wouldn't have the business that i have if i didn't have the team that we've got you know otherwise it'd just be me back in my dingy little flat seven years ago um <laughs> uh you know on, on my own <laughs> <laughs> and i saw that you now um have like a patreon now too showing different tutorials and that you guys are doing yeah yeah no that's something that um you know we we, we didn't really think of doing it initially um the reason why we did it is because we, we hold classes in the uk quite regularly i think we do about 20 a, 20 a year at the minute um which, which is scheduled to, to go up next this year uh to more a year but we were getting questions from, and, and getting a lot of messages from people sort of in the States, in Central Europe, in, in the Far East, in Russia, in, in loads of different places, asking us, you know, if, we, if we'd if we ever come over and run classes in, in those countries. It, it, it wouldn't be economically viable, I don't think, unless we'd have like a class of 50 or 60, 60 students with flights and accommodation and visas and travel and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so, yeah, Patreon was the next best thing. We could, you know, we can offer, you know, tuition in some format. Uh, where it's easily accessible anywhere in the world that you are, if you are a patron um, of the business, uh, and then you can just, you know, on a laptop or on a mobile, you can watch those tutorials and do all those things there. So it, it serves its purpose. I mean, obviously, I always I'm a big advocate of learning in person, but unfortunately, the world is a very big place and we can't be everywhere all the time. <laughs> so, um, so as much as we'd love to be. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've. I follow your Instagram and I see you guys are always posting like commissions you're working on, which I definitely think helps get, you know, the view out there of the quality of work that you can provide people. Yeah, yeah. You know, social media is really important. The, you know, the mobile phone is going to do to the radio what the TV, what mobile phone is going to do to the TV, what the, what the TV done to the radio. If you go on, a, if you're on a train or if you're out in the public, you, if you just stop and take five seconds and look around, you'll see people on their phone everywhere. So, it is the ultimate platform to to um, to you know to deliver content and, and keep people interested and up to date with what you're doing. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very important piece of technology. I think that will never ever be, be beaten unless there's a more direct thing, really. And you guys just had a big painting competition, right? Yeah, yeah. We um, you know, Iron Skull is something that um, I'm I'm super super passionate about painters improving their ability whether they're you know just wanting to paint armies for, for gaming with their local friends every friday night or saturday or weekend or or, or if they're looking to you know uh into competitions and um the, the one thing that, that 
we sort of I, I trialed it a number of years ago, very very uh, actually a tournament. I tried Iron Skull as a format, um, and it, it went down quite well. We had quite a lot of entries just across the tournament, and uh, I think it's about eighty or ninety entries at that point, about four or five years ago. Um, and it kind of put, got put on the back burner because of various things, siege growing, my other business growing, and, and, and loads of other bits and bobs. And um, and I, uh, you know, when I got a bit more free time, I thought, Do you know what, now's the time to launch it. So I worked, I, I drew a really crappy trophy on a bit of paper um, <laughs> and literally sketched it in like five minutes, and it looked like a, like a child had done it. Um, gave it to James Tarot, who's this incredible, incredible uh, sculptor. If you don't know him, you should definitely, definitely check him out. Um, and he had a connection to a gentleman called Duncan Shadow, who's this really amazing 3D 3D sculptor. So between the three of us, we managed to make uh, the Iron Skull, which is, is the trophy. Um, and then um, we kind of just spent our time in the shadows, kind of getting everything sorted, uh, the venue, um, all these kind of bits and bobs, or the first venue, should I say. Um, dropped it like a, like a nuclear weapon into the industry, and, um, and, and we sold out the first venue in, in about eight hours. Um, which was was absolutely crazy. Um, you know, Andy Wardle, Richard Gray, and John Keyes were were announced as the judges, and you know, two of them were the multiple Slayer Sword winners. Um, you know, um, and then um, and then we we managed to acquire a larger venue, like a 400 capacity venue, um, and it was last Saturday that even happened. It, it finalised with 257 attendees and 317 entries across 12 across 11 categories. So it was wow. it's absolutely absolutely incredible. Um, you know, but it's not it's not biased to one manufacturer. Um, not you get into any models. There's a bust category. There's historical fantasy and also sci-fi across multiple categories. Um, you know, we've had we had people fly from Spain, Germany, Poland, uh, the States, uh, all over to come to the competition, which was incredible. Um, very very humbling. I must add, I was extremely humbled by it. You know, I. I, I from this tiny little thing that we started out as to become what it became is just absolutely mind-blowing, to be honest. I'm so, so in shock still to this moment, if I'm honest. Um, and um, and uh, um, as I said, yeah, like we, you know, mind-blowing attendance and, and, you know, and it's gone from strength to strength. Like we've already got next year's venue booked, um, you know, uh, we've already got, we've already sold like 52 tickets out of the 400 that are available already and it's only like four or five days after the original competition, yeah. the first competition. So it's, it's, it's crazy, honestly, it's gone mad. Um, and, um, and yeah, we the idea of the competition is that with all the classes that we teach, I always hear that people are a bit anxious or, you know, about entering competitions and really it's the best best environment you know when your fingers touch a model and your mindset is i have to paint the best the neatest the sharp i can because this is for a competition you you'll always improve as a painter like you're always factually in some some aspect will, will improve whether it be neatness whether it be using a certain color a better way because you're trying to get it smooth or you know there's always growth through through when this is going to sound very non-human when i say it but um humans grow through adversity when you're in your comfort zone and complacency you won't grow because you're doing something that you're used to day in day out whereas if you're doing something you're not used to um you'll either fail and learn by that failure because that's what failure is it's a lesson or you will grow and get better at the thing you're doing um so we wanted iron skull to be applicable to anyone of any level and uh, the way that we've done that is by doing the normal gold silver bronze per category and obviously best in show 
um, we did commended coins, which are these resin coins, and there's five per category, and they for, they are for the five runners up to the top three. Um, and then finally, anyone here, you have the finalist pin, which is the normal thing, uh, which means when you get past the first cut of judging. But prior to the first cut, if you don't make the first cut, two or three entries per category will get given and awarded a spot prize uh, of some brushes uh, from, from my other business, Artis Opus. Um, and, um, and, and the reason I wanted to do that uh, is because obviously I'm super passionate about miniature painting and also people progressing. But at the same time, it gives like a staircase of prizes for that person to, to enter the category and aim for. So the, the first time you enter a competition, uh, you aim to get obviously get a spot prize and win some brushes. After that, the next year, you then try and get a finalist pin. After that, you try and get a commending coin. And then after that, you go for a trophy. And then after that, you go for the prime and best in show. So it really gives like a tiered prize system to, to spur people on to make them better. Um, and that's something that I really wanted Iron Skull to have that differentiates it from every other competition on the planet, if I'm honest. Um, and that's pretty much it without boring you and chewing your ear off with information. <laughs> No, that's that's pretty interesting. <clears throat> uh, like you, you know, the runners up, and I actually I didn't know that Artist Opus was your other business. I have some of your brushes, and I quite enjoy them. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, I, 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 I it's, I, I'm, yeah, I've, I've, I don't keep it quiet, but the biggest thing is obviously I, I, I you know, again, I wanted, to, I wanted to, you know, bring with my two business partners, I wanted to bring a product range to the industry um, that was designed for miniature painters by designed for miniature painting by miniature painters if that makes sense so that's that's yeah so that's the story of AI and is are you going to be at Adepticon this year yeah yeah we are yeah yeah so, so Siege and Artist Opus have got their own stands this year at Adepticon um, really really looking forward to coming back um, more prepared this time for how incredible the show is if I'm honest with you <laughs> um, you know we, we met loads and loads of people um uh, last year and uh, it was an absolute pleasure to come over and uh, and, and really engage with the community uh, face to face so they can see obviously what both businesses do uh, in flesh um, and again really good for meeting loads of people within the industry um, you know uh, we, we didn't want to be a business that just sponsors the event um, if you're going to make the effort you might as well be there um, and I think it's super important to to to, to be there and to um, you know shake someone's hand and say hi. This is who we are. I think that's really really important. And I think you have a much better lasting impression with people when you do that. Um, so yeah, the plan is to have two stands, one for each business, and um, and to just you know demo what we do both in miniatures and also in, in products for the industry, uh, and just meet as many people as possible then and say hello to anyone who wants to come over and have a chat with us basically. Are you going to be uh, checking out any events while you're there or sort of just milling around, staying at your booth? I remember very distinctly that you both, or that all of you told me to check out the, 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 the tournament that involves cake. Um, and um, <laughs> I am, uh, I'm very keen to, to, to see that again. I did see that last year and it did make me laugh a lot in a good way because um, it reminded me of that conversation massively. <laughs> Um, but um, but yeah no it was, it, I, I looked at all the tournaments and um, the, the Age of Sigma tournament was really really good like just just the display boards that people made for their armies was was incredible honestly you, you just you know I, I think I mentioned it last year like in in England people are very very passionate obviously about the hobby but you guys are just you know you're you're turned up to eleven which is incredible you know um, and it's it's really nice to see 
uh, people who go the extra mile and really put the effort into their armies and also into their display boards. Like super, super, it's, it, you know, it's a lovely thing to see. It really, really is. Um, and, and you guys are incredible at doing stuff like that. So I, I'm actually looking forward to it, just walking around to look at armies to see see what, you know, just to obviously see what people do extra to what they would normally do, if that makes sense. Yes, this year, um, I know Jeff and Amy are working on, on a super secret project for Adeptcon. So it's always super secret. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, it is always super secret. But uh, they're they're in the team tournament, so they're gonna have you know an army with an awesome display board and all that stuff. So yeah, the forty uh, k we'll team to, tournament. We'll have to hook up. Too. We'll have to hook up, and I have to. I have, you have to show me. I'm super super keen to see it. So I really really am. So you'll have to you'll have to um, give me give me give me the gossip and let me see it. I'm I'm rarely I'm rarely disconfident about something, but I. F- think you'll notice our display (laughs) (laughs) yeah that seems that's not too out there. yeah i feel comfortable with that statement i'm super keen guys honestly i'm super keen to see it i really am like now please please come find me on the stand yeah on the siege stand and please show take me over and see it because i really really want to see it and it will be lovely to meet you guys in person i really really will like it's something that i I just didn't get a chance to last year because we were very busy but um, I'd love to. I'd love to, you know, catch up with you guys in person and say hello. I really would. Well, the, the best time to see the the 40k team tournament displays is at the um, there. There's a showcase Saturday evening. If you can find that, you'll find our display and probably a, a dozen more fascinating and and jaw dropping displays from the rest of the tournament. So just that. That's worth. That's worth going to. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely make a note of that. So since we since we last talked to you, you know, I think last time I asked you uh, what was some of your your favorite commission pieces you've done. Have you over the last year have you done anything that you found uh, really interesting to paint or that you were especially proud of? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like we've um, we've worked on we've worked on this uh, this huge. I mean, one of our clients has, has done like, I think four or five phases now for his. Like obviously, when Primaris models came out, he uh, he he went completely crazy on it and just you know as, as been going mad adding adding loads of bits and bobs to his army over the last year or so so we've done four like four four or five phases for it now and um i think we're organizing which will be really cool uh to get to get all of the phases in come back into the office so we can do a massive video of all the all the phases together um this this army must be at least at least about 10k in points um so so we're, we're, we're hoping to do that but yeah over the last year we've added probably about two or three extra phases to this project uh, we've done loads of different smaller projects, which have been really interesting. We did um, we did some 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 Scottish themed space marines, which was hilarious. Um, we um, we had the opportunity to uh, to take. I don't know if you guys have seen the film Braveheart, but um, but never heard that, of it. In that film, you should check it out. In that film, basically, Mel Gibson plays William Wallace, who from sort of Scottish history, it was one of the guys that fought against the English uh, when Scotland. Scotland and England had a lot of obviously war between them back in the day, um, and uh, the, the the client requested that we basically take William Wallace's bespoke um, bespoke sort of uh, pattern for his for his sort of like uh, cloth work that he had, and uh, Ben, one of the guys, painstakingly spent like an afternoon just painting this this heraldry heraldry kind of like patterned uh, kilt. On the uh, on the on this marine, which took was was really interesting to see as well. But it was uh, 
yeah, it's, we have some really interesting projects. Like uh, we've had a, a very bespoke theme Necron army, like in a blue kind of teal kind of color uh, that came in. Um, that was really interesting. Haven't had any funny ones. I know I told you guys about the Bacon Marines, which was an old project we'd done. We, did, we didn't get, we haven't had any more phases of that as of yet. Um, I think the guys all, all, all bacon'd out. But um, but the uh, but the but yeah, we've had loads of really interesting projects and really cool things to do. Done a few more projects for Tabletop Tactics over the last year. Um, you know, a couple of the projects for the guys over at SM Battle Reports. Um, yeah, it's been it's been real real fun. And I don't know if you guys know Striking Scorpion or not. He's a really good. Uh, sort of battle report you know thematic battle report and also a little bit competitive um we're working on some more space walls for him at the moment as well so that's uh that, there's some really cool little projects that we're doing yeah i've seen a couple of his uh his bat ribs and i think i told you last time that's how i i knew who you guys were was from the tabletop tactics uh uh battle reports you know because you, you have your, your your logo comes up at the beginning and, and then they show off the stuff you do for him on their videos too oh yeah 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 very fortunate to have that so i've known lawrence a very long time but um, but yeah we're very lucky to, to have that and it's a, it's a good working relationship yeah so if you want to see you know some of c studios work definitely check out their instagram and those uh tabletop tactics battle reports when they are using the stuff that uh c studios has sent them um so with you know all these all these uh crazy projects and stuff do you actually do you have any time to paint for yourself uh, yeah, I have actually. Um, funny enough, um, over the last well, we I took some more people on in the office over sort of Christmas uh, because, quite frankly, up until well, not a lot of people know this, but up until May of 2019, uh, I was actually doing every, we had 20 25 painters at that point, uh, and I was doing everything in the office, all the videos, all the photography, all the admin, all the client management absolutely everything all on my own and i have done that for six years uh, at that point so i was uh well let's just be be, be cr- a bit frank and say if there was a broom in a certain place that, that i wouldn't be able to do anymore um <laughs> that you know um it, it was you know and then I, I took on a couple of guys in the office uh, i took on uh, the artist manager that's joined us in the office and he's done a phenomenal job and um you know it's freed me up a little bit more so to get back to your point yes i've had i've actually managed to get some time to paint um, I actually uh, managed to paint Commissar Lyric for Iron Skull Staff category, um, so I actually managed to get a model done. And I am currently working on something for Golden Demon uh, when I come over uh, Adepticon at the moment. So that's what I'm working on, literally as I'm talking to you now, uh, <laughs> along, along with my my Capuchins for my for, for my my gaming army, which I've got to get ready by September. Which I've got, so I've got quite a lot of time, but. Um, I'll probably get about an hour or two a night um, in and around emails every 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 day as and when I'm free, uh, and then the odd weekend. So I am getting actually I'm actually getting to do a bit of painting, which is actually quite nice. That'll be great. I'm interested. I'm gonna. I'm interested to see what you're putting in the Golden Demon. Um, and I, I, so with the Catachans, I, I assume you're you're gonna pick up that new, the limited edition model they have that they just showed up. She's incredible absolutely incredible uh reminds me of vasquez from alien so much it's unbelievable um you know um she yeah she's awesome really really cool model uh really well posed uh love the bionic leg uh and the little all the little details uh but she's really really cool um yeah my my catastrophes are quite funny actually i've I've gone completely vietnam on them um and um i've managed to I don't know if you've seen it or not, but I, I've converted. Uh, it's kind of a mishmash between a land speeder storm uh, and a, a drone. 
Uh, oh, cool. um, I, I've converted some uh, some some of the Valkyries and things for for, for my Catachans. Um, I've got a, a custom Slime Marbo as well because because it's really confusing. Slime Marbo model, the the, the the GW model looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger when it should look like Stallone, obviously. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I just couldn't uh, I couldn't I could I just couldn't have him in the army just because he looked too much like like Sylvester uh, like uh, Arnie. So I've made um, I've made my own one. Um, and made him look as much like Stallone as I physically can, but like he's been out in the wilderness for about a year and a half, and he has the biggest beard and, and matted hair like you've ever seen in your life. So, so yeah, I've uh, I've gone a bit crazy with him, but um, yeah, I've had a lot of fun with it. I think they're a very much underrated army in the sense of people look at them and think, oh, they're old models, and they don't do them because they don't have a new model 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 range, if that makes sense. Um, so I've wanted to do them a bit of justice, really. So I've just been spending a lot of time. Uh, working with the obscenely, you know, massively arm. They've got obviously massive arms and stuff, haven't they? But um, obscenely sized proportions on the models, um, and uh, just doing the best I can with them, really. But I'm really looking forward to, to finishing the army. I think um, Eldar players feel your pain about old models. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I always say if they ever do like a full. Classic aspect warriors range. I'm I'm in trouble, but they've they've only done one so far, so I'm okay. Um, they are lovely, the new banshees. They really are. They're incredible models. Like, incredible. I'm really glad they've done them finally. So, do you have like a favorite um, type of model to paint? You know, whether it's Imperial Guard or Space Marines or it, it really anything. And non GWs, like, do you like fantasy better or sci fi better? Uh, well, I don't know. Like, I. I've tried so many times to get into fantasy uh, or to Age of Sigma. I really, really have. Um, but I always get pulled back to seven or eight foot genetically engineered su- superhumans. I don't know why. I just I just always end up get, getting back uh, to, to painting Marines or painting 40K. Um, you know, but, yeah, I do like other things as well. Like I've, got, I've actually got on my desk um, uh, a late war Sherman Firefly, Firefly, which is the anti-tank version of the Sherman tank from, from World War Two. So I've actually got one of those on my desk that I'm just chipping away at, just, just something completely different. A little bit of a palette cleanser from painting loads of camouflage on the Catachans or, or doing the thing I'm doing for GB. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, I like, I, I always, I always come back to 40k. Uh, it, is, it is my, you know, anyone who knows me well enough knows that I'm like the biggest Blood Angel fanboy on the planet. And um, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of tricked everyone for the Staff Cat um, at Iron Skull because, because it's an online digital, like an online. Um, entry process where you register what you're going to be entering. I put it as a Blood Angels Primaris captain on purpose, and then when I, then I rocked up with Yarrick that I painted, um, and they were like, oh, "We thought you were painting a Blood Angel." I still managed to sneak on some red because uh, red is like my favourite colour. So. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, like um, yeah, I'll, I'll always always end up painting Blood Angels at some point because they are just literally my pride and joy. But um, but yeah. But yeah, I do fancy some painting some of those elder though. Uh, I, I really do. Like I've I've, uh, I've I've been eyeing up a couple of models that I'm really really keen on painting as well. So, um, do you actually, do you get any chance to like play, or are you mainly just paint these days? Uh, well, I think the last time we spoke, I, I, I you know uh, I was still playing at that point. Um, Joe in the office is like massively massively into kill team, like hugely into kill team. And with the limited time that I do have now like for, for non-work stuff, um, I have promised him that I will get into Kill Team at some point. So that's why I kind of am doing the Catachans as an army over a long period of time. But also I'm trying to get like 20 Catachans painted up to do for Kill Team. 
um main gaming though like um i kind of stopped doing it quite a bit and that's just just purely because um i don't know like i when you stop chasing the meta when it comes to competitive gaming because i used to, used to be very competitive like my iron, iron warriors and stuff like um when you stop chasing the meta and you go into a game shop and you can just look at models from a painter's perspective and go oh that model looks really cool i'm i really fancy painting it rather than what's the stats what does it do do i need four of them in my list you know it 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 becomes it's like someone it's like taking blinkers off off a horse they can see everything and run wherever they like um and that's before we talk about sort of like you play the game with your friends and yeah you might remember that amazing dice roll that you've done to save your commander from 15 power fist hits or whatever blah 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 but like um six months 12 months 24 months down the line you're not going to remember that game very well you probably remember the odd dice roll or the odd really epic moment or something but you won't remember the full game um and because my mindset is all about time is the most important thing um when you're painting the time that you invest in painting those models you'll always have in front of you because it's a physical thing that you've actually labored that time into um so i kind of stopped gaming quite a lot because i was finding that i was spending two three four hours a week playing games and not really having anything for it other than maybe the odd memory of a dice roll or something like that um so now like my, the social aspect of it i me and me and the guys that i paint with, we sit around a table obviously get some food in or have a drink or whatever blah blah and um and just paint models and still have that social aspect of it but we're actually investing our time in painting miniatures rather than gaming um and then if you do want a game sort of kilting smaller sort of games that don't take up as much time and you can still have that fix of, of gaming kind of been working a lot better for me but again that's all just personal it's not it's not factual i know loads of people love gaming hugely especially competitive and stuff like that and i i, I used to do it for a very long time and i just i just find now that i try and gear all of my time as much as possible around painting stuff that i actually have stuff in my cabinet at home or on the shelf that is something tangible for the time that i spent on it does that make sense i don't, I don't know if that makes sense but that, that's kind of like what i've been doing yeah def- i mean you know it's kill team has been such a i think a, a great advantage for people that don't have a lot of time and want to play because a game takes 45 minutes you know to run through it it's yeah. not not a big time sink at all um so it's good at least you're getting you know to play some anyway yeah no i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it. what are you guys what have you, have you been playing loads or not or uh, I we I play in a 40k league at my local gaming store, so um, oh, wow. I sort of like get you know regular between 1,000 and usually like 1,500 point games in. Um, That's awesome. Which is nice. Um, there's not a lot of kill team in my area right now. Um, I don't know. Uh, Amy Amy actually works at a game store, so she can probably I don't know if she sees any down there. Yeah, we um our skirmish group sort of like hops between whatever the new whatever the new hotness is. So like it was kill team for a while and then we were all playing Underworlds and currently I think they're all in the middle of a Warcry campaign, which I'm hoping that they take some of that Warcry stuff and move it over to Kill Team and make that an even better game and then we'll all play that again. Oh amazing. Like yeah, no, I am... Um... I, I, Underworld is like uh, one of my best friends uh, has been playing it loads and he's shown me how good it is and uh, honestly it's I love the way that part of it, it you could it, is the deck building side of it as well mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a really interesting way of, of playing the game um, and so you could you could have 
statistically the best the best sort of underworld like gang or crew or whatever you I don't know what they're called or war band and um and the cards are what deliver the day rather than the models or the, or the dice rolls uh, it's, it's really interesting like i think it's a great great game system um you know it's, it's it's a lot more i didn't think it would be as competitive as it is but it really really it was surprising at how much how how competitive it is as a game system but um but yeah no, i love it and the models are incredible they're beautiful some of the models of the i don't the i'd say wood elves but the silver neff warband from from underworlds is is incredible like the uh, the guy the stag model with a spear is just absolutely incredible well and with underworlds too it's um you know you get if the, you really want to try painting models from an army we've talked about this before but it, you get a chance to you know paint up some nice you know between three and and ten models from a particular army then you can move on to something else yeah 100 percent. yeah like uh yeah they, they, it's, it's really good like you know it's, it's really good the thing is though with kill team you can, you can paint up like the 10 15 models for your kill team um or maybe less if you're doing them like death watch or custodians or something like that and then you can add, an, you can make a new kill team, add in some more things, and you actually grow your army quite quite quickly because you're just dropping in bits and bobs that you need. Um, but yeah, no, I love I love skirmish games. I think they're brilliant. And there, and GW is really sort of coming out with you know more smaller scale games now too. Is you got one for every system, which is great. Yeah, Aeronautica as well. Have you, have you guys played Aeronautica? Yes, I used to play the uh, four-year-old version, my favorite tabletop game, and I'm so glad that they're finally doing it in plastic. Just a bit disappointed that there's, you've got such a slow rollout on various factions. Yeah, I know. It's just it's just Orcs and Imperial at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, with Tower coming out soonish, I'm assume I'm assuming, um, but then they're they're only coming out with more Imperium, which is disappointing. I, I was kind of hoping to do. You know, two different races per releases instead of just adding one at a time. Yeah, I'm, well, everyone's waiting for the Elder because they're just ridiculous. Like, the, the, the planes move quicker than anything you've ever seen. So, <laughs> um, you know, as, as usual, Elder up to their trickery. But um, but um, but no, yeah, the, the Elder models. And also, just from a model perspective, I think the, like the Vampire and, and I don't know if they'll do a Vampire because it's quite a big, big, big flyer. But um, all of the Elder fighters are just... I've always said, even in 40K... Like if you look at like the um, what's the what's stuff? I've forgotten the name of it. I can't remember the name of the older plane from 40k. Uh, there's two, isn't there? There's the oh, the va- there's a vampire, the uh, phoenix, and the nightwing. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. All and of them there's just... two two variants on the vampire. Yeah, they're just they're just incredible, honestly. Like I love. I'm obviously very gutted that Forgeworld stopped making the the, the the 40k version models, but. They are they're just beautiful kits, beautiful models, uh, really, really cool. Like, so to see them in miniature for Aeronautica would be would be a really cool, nice thing to have actually. But, I but, yeah. still have a handful of uh, of the, the Forge World Aeronautica Imperialist ships for the Eldar. I had a bunch because they kept sending me the wrong ones instead of having <laughs> me return them. They just sent more and more, which is great. I mean. Good. It's just too bad to discontinue the game. And the, are they different in size as well? I think aren't they? I think they've changed the size of them. Yeah, the, the plastic version is a slightly larger scale. It's uh, it's the same scale as uh, Adeptus Titanicus, though, which is going to be interesting for dioramas. Yeah, I think they've done that on purpose. I, I think long term, what they'll do is they'll do a game that involves the planes from Aeronautica and also Adeptus Titanicus. I think that they'll they'll amalgamate it in somehow so that you can actually play them together. I think, 
I think that's potentially on the horizon. Um, but that'd be that'd be really cool. It makes sense why they'd make the scales the same. In, if I think if I'm, if I'm right. The first step to doing that would be to um, move Adeptus Titanicus out of the Horus Heresy era and start adding some orcs and Eldars and other things. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm really hoping they do. They said they wouldn't necessarily be doing it, but come on. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. Uh, I'm really hoping that they bring out the, the, the classic style of Warlord. Do you know, remember the original one from Epic? Um, I, I really hope they make that, but for Titanicus. Like the, 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 the sort of more boxy, I think it's the Mars pattern, I think it is, or I don't know, like it's, uh, I love that, that, that pattern of, of Titan, I think it's awesome. Yeah, they have the, uh, the more boxy Warhounds too. I've seen um, people uh, with 3D printers sort of making their own versions of them, and they look pretty cool, but I like to see GW do something, but, um, so they did the, uh, they have the, they just did the Psy Titans, so I, I'm on a bunch of titanicus groups because it's one of the one of the games i play but um people are speculating that you know next we'll see sort of like possessed titans like chaos yeah. possessed titans mm-hmm. and then after that i you know there's only a few more classes and weapon upgrade packs before you kind of get a if you want to keep your game going to we talked about this i think the last episode is just started introducing those um those alien races you know orcs yeah. and eldar yeah the gargans and the, and the elder revenant and phoenix titans in, in miniature but Titanicus would be absolutely incredible, like really, really cool. Like they're, they're such lovely models. Uh, obviously, they're so elegant. Or maybe not the orc ones, obviously, but um, <laughs> but um, but um, but yeah, like it'd be lovely to, to actually see the older ones finally done in, in for the game. I think it'd be great. Now, do you sort of do you stay up to date with the uh, the psychic awakening stuff at all, or? Oh, to be to be fair, I haven't. Being honest, um, and I think that's purely purely because of not gaming so much. Um, Obviously, the books came out in quite quick succession. It's been really interesting what they've done actually with 40k. Like, I think they saw they saw how uh, the Horus Heresy books, like the book, all the books for Horus Heresy, done extremely well with uh, people buying the collection, uh, and that's obviously a business practice that they've moved into and done for, for 40k with the um, uh, with the, the Cycling Awakening books. Um, and obviously, you have got the Citrix Maledictum, which is obviously tearing up the galaxy into 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 halves and all of that that you've got the indominus crusade and all of that so it's been it's been really interesting the way that they've done that and the fall of cadia and then they've obviously done the psychic awakening even though i think correct me if i'm wrong the psychic awakening is is set before the fall of cadia i think if that's right i think that's if i'm correct um i think that's that, i think that's what they've done but um but the uh the, the, i've kept up with a little bit of it not loads though just only a little bit so I don't know everything that's happened, but um, but I will probably end up buying the books just to read them. But for the for the gaming side of things, not so much. I think I think with everyone speculating that ninth edition is coming out or being hinted or released at Adepticon in that two-hour seminar that they're doing, um, it's going to be very interesting to see how ninth edition plays and how the meta changes, obviously, as a result of that as well. One thing that we do frequently is try and speculate about, you know, what's going to be at the end of Psychic Awakening, because um, so far it's pretty much just been new Space Marine models. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's so many new, new models that come out for the Primaris range. Oh, I mean, we know we're getting uh, the, we're getting a new Orc model. We know we're getting Gaz soon, so that's exciting. Yeah. But yeah. we're probably getting Gaz. And some new Space Marines too, because of course we are. We're getting Ragnar Blackmane. That's what we're getting. Um, it's already been it's already been sort of proven that Ragnar Blackmane is being released. Um, 
and he has got the Primaris keyword, so that means obviously that there is a new model for him, uh, unless someone has decided to make a, a, a put him on a bigger base uh, and, and raise him up a little bit. But um, but yeah, no, um, Ragnar Blackmane will be a really cool model to have. I think he's uh, obviously, I think they've made these. He's still a war, he's, he's, he is still a Wolf Lord, which is what he was obviously before. Um, but um, it'll be interesting to see what they do, and I really hope he's got a very dynamic pose because obviously. The old model is classic. It's one of the oldest models, I think, from second edition. It's still yeah. around from, from second edition uh, in that very static um, pose that they've done a lot of models in where one arm is raised or, or whatever, but the body is pretty straight, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, we, we, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they've done with him. I hope that he's got a very dynamic sort of charging, aggressive pose, which is what a character of his nature should really have, in my opinion. I just I want to see the new Gasco model. That's what I. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna be incredible. Like, be I, I, I wonder if they. Yeah, I wonder if they're gonna do a Yarrick model, a new Yarrick model. Well, that'd be, that'd, that'd be interesting to sort of pair off with that. It's the oldest grudge. Come on, it's one. Of, well, not the oldest grudge, but it's one of the it's one of the most iconic grudges, isn't it? Like Yarrick and Gaz. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they do decide to go right. Well, Gaz has got a new model. Let's let's give give Gaz something to play with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and after <clears throat> after this book with the with the space wolves and orcs, I don't. I mean, there can't be too many left because the. I mean, they get the Mechanicus one, but that also is going to have, um, you know, based on the previews they were showing, like all the knights in there and stuff too. So there's not much left after that. No, no, you're right. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see what they do. I I think we do we do a new Primark 40k um, quite quite massively. Uh, and I think that the one for me that I think that, that has the most possibility of coming back was two. Uh, it'll either be it'll either be Russ because obviously Wolves have had. Well, I think Wolves there's a little bit in the Titan of Awakening that I think if I've read that they've been searching for him. I think or they've been um, because he was seen when when Thousand Sons attacked Fenris. He was seen by he was seen by Grimnar apparently he was seen like walking across the field like the field of battle or something like that so um, so hopefully that means that he's on his way back and at the moment G Man is pretty much outnumbered by all these brothers so um, <laughs> so you know so it'll be interesting to see if they do give him some some brotherly love in the form of either Russ or the very lazy lion which is just laying there having a snooze um so it'll be interesting to see what they do the uh the last uh little story they released on the warhammer community site had uh, a space wolf in the death watch you know hearing the call of uh of other wolves so it yeah. seems to if it's going to be anybody it might it makes sense that it would be russ I would love it, love it to be Russ. Like I think, I think obviously my 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 loyalty lies to. Uh, uh, we're not going to say he's dead. We'll just say he's sleeping. But it lies to a certain 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 sleeping um, angel that gave his life many many <laughs> years before. But um, but uh, uh, but yeah, I, I, Russ is like the next one for me that is is like my favourite Primark out of all of them. I think that him him and Jagatai Khan because no one really knows about Jagatai Khan. He's very very. Um, very secretive. He's, you know, he's, he's not a lot of people know about him. But he, if you read the background about him, he's like an incredible blade master, like uh, very, very, very sort of distinguished with the sword. And uh, I think that he's underrated massively. Like people don't really know too much about him, as I said. So it's, it, if they if they dropped him in there, I think it would it really spice things up because White Scars have been 
unloved for a very long time. So, um, you know, well, obviously they, they got the new Kozara model, but, but they have been very unloved for quite some time. So, yeah, it'd be nice to do. If they just dropped Jagatai Khan in there, it'd be, like, really interesting. Or Dawn, because he's, he's, he's supposed to still be around, isn't he? And he, his hand was found, but nothing else was. As a Xenos player, I <laughs> will say that you do not know Unloved from Games Workshop <laughs> until you've fully emotionally invested in two Xenos armies. Yeah, I, I, I feel your pain, dude. Like, um, I, I know that uh, I know that Necrons, Tyranids. Uh, I'm not going to say Tau because they've had a little bit of love, to be honest. But um, yeah, I know that um, you guys have uh, have not had a lot for a very long time. Uh, there's been more more marines coming out from than you could possibly imagine. You know what I mean? So, so it is, it is a bit of a shame. But I'm sure they'll get. I'm sure they'll get some love soon. I'm sure. They I'm will. I'm hoping so because being a Xenos player is like every three months waking up at the like at the doorstep of an orphanage, just wondering where <laughs> did my family go? <laughs> and then you look around, you realize, oh no, it's a Dickens novel, and this is ghosts. It's worse. <laughs> oh no! I'm so silly, dude. Well, and I was just very angry at what that they didn't give Turnus anything. Oh, just like or Gene Stealer called like the entire like everything Turnus related. Nah. Well, in sorry, and angry. it's it's the perfect chance for them to get their Titanic model. It was Psychic Awakening. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll get something ridiculous. It'll be so overpowered in the game that like everyone will suddenly start getting to it. I think that's what they'll do. Um, but I think yeah, the other interesting thing is, and something that, that I think a lot of people, I've seen a couple of people talking about, is um, is that uh, that GW haven't dropped like a new faction. And when I say new faction, I'm not talking about like bringing Sisters back or anything. Or not Sisters back, but actually doing the Sisters range. I'm talking about actually dropping a new faction into into 40k i think that would spice things up massively um you know because i think it's it, it would rejuvenate the the, the 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 galaxy a little bit and also just add a little bit of interest for, for, for the gaming perspective for people as well because it it'd throw people off they'd have to you know whenever a new faction's released for meta gamers obviously competing tournaments we'll see if see what they can do with that army um you know i know you're feeling very unloved with you with the xenos races but I think it's something that potentially could happen. Um, yeah. That would be great, and there's there's a lot of potential options in that sense, and I, I agree with you. That would I think that almost above new models for existing armies would probably be the best way to sort of kick the meta in the ass and get things moving. Do you know what I'm hoping for? If you say squat, <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. All right, okay, but they are still around in in the background. So in 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 battle, have you, not that I've played the computer game of it, but have you have you seen the, the Battle Fleet Gothic um, game? Yes, absolutely. And I mean, those the the Demiurge ships from yeah. from the BFG are based on some Forge World models that used to exist. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, they're, I guess they're canon. Like at, at that point, Demiurg are a thing, and I agree with you. Like Demiurg would be something fun to see. As much as I don't want to see squats come back, I want to see a new evolved version of what that concept of space dwarfs would be. Yeah. You you don't want trikes in land trains and gyrocopters. Oh, but, but can you imagine I don't how, how good it would be? A land train model would be incredible. 
it would be cool. But I, I yeah, I, I would rather see the updated Demiurge stuff, though. It can still yeah. be a land train, just not that classic box on wheel on tracks. Oh, oh yeah, that was really bad. Yeah, yeah, I, agree. I did agree with you there. The way they would update it is instead of making it a land train, maybe make it sort of like a, a train. The same way you have like multiple trailers on tr- on on uh, on cars on uh, trucks attached to each other, like do something like that. Have it be sort of like a, a, a you know futuristic caravan with a bunch of guns. Like mm. there's, there's options. <laughs> you don't need to make it ridiculous. They can no, make no. they can keep the idea of a land train and just. You know, make it semi-logical. Every time I look at a caravan, I'll see one now when I'm driving. I'm going to think of what you just said. <laughs> right. Just imagine a bunch of dwarves and, and melt-a-guns on there, and there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a new, a new faction would, would be a, a big big move, especially, I think the last one was Tau, right? Or actually, well, I guess yeah. Gene Steeler Cults, technically. Yeah, yeah Gene Steeler Cults, technically. But probably, they, were, yeah. they were kind of already there. Yeah, they were. Yeah, so I agree with you. Yeah, GS, GSC was was the last one, wasn't it? So, um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I, I would love to, I would love to you know all the factions to get a bit of love um, because Marines have been dominating for such a long time now with the new stuff that they're bringing out, and it's just you know once you've seen one Primaris, you've seen them all. Do you know what I mean? So it's like um, you know it'd be nice to actually see something new for for other factions that haven't had any love for quite some substantial time. Are you going to be at the uh, the preview? At yes, I, yes nice. I will be. Fortunately, I got. I was lucky enough to get a ticket, so um, I know they went really quick, which was quite which was unsurprising. But um, but yeah, definitely, definitely, it's you know a two hour two hour session of finding out all the new stuff. Is. You'd be <laughs> mad, not you'd be mad to miss it. Do you know what I mean? So so um, did you actually get tickets? This is where you say no, and I feel really bad. Oh yeah. Oh no. I oh yeah. Now I got one. Yeah. <laughs> Good, good, good. It'll be good. It'll be good to, uh, to to find out what's going on, and also we get to see that um, slightly biased, obviously, because it's Bob Angels. But we get to see the we get to see the preview of the uh, the film, don't we? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be awesome too. Hopefully, have you uh, have you watched any of the other like the other fan made stuff? We had we did talk to um, uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head now, but he did the. Uh, I can't remember the book. Jeff, who was it? The animator? Oh, Richard Boyland. We talked to him. I was going to say, you're Hell, asking Hell's... me to remember? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Hell's Reach. Hell's yes, Reach yes, 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 yes. Yeah. One of my favorite books by Aaron Dembski-Bowden. Uh, very, very, very good book, um, which I absolutely love. So I'm glad that he, he decided to do that one. Um, yeah, I do like all the fan-made stuff. Uh, I, and this is just personal, I absolutely, absolutely love the guy who's behind uh, Astartes. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but there's a there's a series of four at the moment. He's producing the fifth one at the moment. Um, but the the Astartes videos uh, on YouTube, his account got hacked unfortunately, and, and he managed to get it back eventually. It was a big sort of big sort of to do about it. But um, if you haven't seen the Astartes videos, you need to watch them. In my honest opinion, it is the best rendition of what uh, 40k should be in film uh, or 3d animation um it's the, it's the subtlety and the little touches which really make the difference like as a, as a painter if you look at the the back of one of the old bolters and I'm, i don't mean the second edition bolters i mean the bolters that come with the current tactical squad um 
there's a little screen or a little button on the rear of the gun, like on the on the diagonal flat bit that goes mm-hmm. to the, the, the top. Um, and I've actually on a lot of my Marines in my Blue Angels Army, those little marks, I painted them as screens for a very long time because that's kind of like where the ammo can is for the bolter. Uh, so the Marine can see how many shots he's got left while he's firing. Um, and then to watch Astartes and to see that without any prompt or without any any kind of like, I don't know where he's got it from, maybe it's just the initiative that he's had of looking at the, the actual pieces from the kit, he's worked out what that is. Um, you then see it on the bolt guns in the Astartes video, which is really cool. Um, the sound of the auto cannon when it fires, the weight and the feel of it, the the rendering of the video, all the little subtleties and all the little things are just, in my opinion, Astartes is bang on perfect. Like it, it's it's what everybody dreams of seeing in a 40k film. Um, you know, like the stuff that Rich is producing is very very good, and not to knock what he's done at all in the slightest. But I think for the raw, aggressive, technical aspect of what Marines should be, and uh, seeing as these merciless killing machines, which is what they are, if you watch Astartes, I think. It, the guy, I don't know his name because he's very secretive about who he is or and he hasn't really published his name, but um, the guy behind the star teams has absolutely, absolutely nailed it. I think I've watched those a dozen times. Yeah, it's incredible. Have you guys absolutely. seen those at all, Jeff, Amy? I have not. I'm too, on YouTube, I mostly just watch videos of Australians dropping things into other things. <laughs> Please do yourself, please do yourself a favour, and please, please go watch it. It's, it's, they're not very long; they're only about two, three minutes each, yeah, or like really five, good. five minutes. But you, honestly, you, you, GW haven't produced films or media in all the years that we have all known them as a business. We won't, we won't, we shan't, we shan't speak about Ultramarines the film. Um, but, um, but the, the. Um, the fact that they're now starting to, to, to open up to media input and, and to media format for, for their IP is extremely exciting because I, I seriously hope, I mean, I'm 34 this year, but I seriously hope that within the next five years that I can go to a cinema and watch a 40K film. It's something that I've always wanted to as a kid since I was a child and has never happened. Um, you know, uh, I think we all would love to, you know, go buy some, some, some soda and, and popcorn and go watch a film of our favourite thing in the cinema. Um, and it's just, you know, it's unfortunate that it's taken such a long time for it to happen. Um, you know, but it'll I, be good. I think it's more likely, and in, in, in fact, probably incredibly more likely that we will see it on a streaming service like Apple TV or, or Netflix or something like that. Quite possibly, yeah. Quite I'm fine with. I am 100% okay with this. Some of these streaming services have ginormous budgets for things like that, so I, I, I'd be down with it. Yeah, I, I, do you know, do you, I think I know the reason why that they've never had the opportunity to work with a Hollywood director. And I think, well, it's not that they've not had the opportunity. I just think that, and for the for the right reasons. Again, I'm not trying to bash Games Workshop in any way, shape, or form. I'm one of the biggest fanboys you'll ever meet. But the the the, the reality is, is that I think. Because the IP is so rich and is so deep uh, in its in its in every aspect of it, I think that a Hollywood director steamrolling in, what they would do is they would actually uh, diminish what 
what the IP is, if that makes sense. And Games Workshop possibly maybe would be worried that they would do something that would people who are diehard fans would then see and be like, no, nah, that's not that's not right. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think, you know, you just take Michael Bay or someone like that, that, you know, every scene is an explosion or something stupid, you know, um, it, it, that's I think that's the reason why they've been so so much like a vault with their product and their IP is because they just don't want someone to 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 do a do it this discredit or disservice. That's the way that I would look at it. Um, you know, and now that you've got people that are sort of diehard fans of it producing content like for example Richard or like for example the, the, the chat behind the Starties, um, I think that's why, you know, um, we're starting to see stuff is because you've got people that actually are in the know that do know, for example, like what box is or what a plasma pistol does or, you know, how how an auto cannon would sound or look or feel or what a marine would do or wouldn't do. Um, that's why we're starting to see it is because people are, you know, people that have got the knowledge are starting to get involved and do things for it. So, um, so yeah, it's really interesting and really exciting times. Well, speaking from personal experience, it's very easy when you don't have any leverage to have your your intellectual property be taken over exactly what you're describing is is something i'm very familiar with um and and games workshop i also know from a long time ago i'm almost maybe 15 years ago talking to some people at games workshop we were asking them about how come they, they don't get more into video games how come they don't get into more media and there, the answer that we got actually made a lot of sense is that they, very early on, when they did start experimenting with the idea of doing video games and licensing their products, they they got burned very badly with very you know bad products coming out and, and just things that did not represent their brand very well. And so they, they backed away from it. And I think it's only recently, what you're saying is true, that people are more familiar, but also Games Workshop has a lot more sway both because they have a large social media following, but also because they're just they're just a bigger, more influential company right now. Their IP has more sway, so it's easier for them to license their product and you know bake into the contract. We keep creative control. We say yay or nay on certain things, yeah, exactly. and and that's that's and add to that the fact that movies are not the only place to do something of that scale any longer. And this is, it's, it's a perfect storm for something for this IP to finally find its ground in, in, in proper media. Yeah. 100%. You're, you're absolutely bang on by. And I can confirm what Jay was talking about with the video games. Cause I think I played every single games workshop video game. They came out in like the late eighties, early nineties. And out of the probably 22 dozen I played, maybe two or three of them were actually like good games. Yeah, yeah, we, we won't we won't we won't speak about Tower Fire Warrior, will we? Oh, oh, no. <laughs> I remember when that came out. The one thing that developers were bragging about is that they got the movement of Space Marine shoulders yeah, right. Yeah, right. And of all the things that you want to get right, I mean, yeah, sure, I guess that's important, and I guess that's difficult because they are cartoonishly large. But also, maybe getting the lore right, and maybe getting the feel of the universe right, would have been more important if you wanted to cater to the, to the fans. Do you, know, do you know the worst bit about the game? The worst bit is when the raptors attacked you. They made it, they made like a crow noise. Oh yeah, no, oh, I I forgot that happened. Oh boy. Worst bit. Ugh. Well, do do yourself a favor and look up um, 
40K short film 1990. Because Games Workshop did do a couple short films on their own. They actually, they did one, and it's guys in costumes, like really bad costumes, and um, and the best part is at the end, there's a, a short film with a Dark Angels and an Inquisitor and some Chaos guys. Oh yeah, that, that was called. Uh, that was called. Uh, uh, what was that? I think it was just called Inquisitor, maybe. That was it. Yeah, that was Inquisitor. They used to show. They did do showings at a bit of Warhammer World. Yeah. And at the end, they have a little preview for something that has Gene Steelers and Space Wolves, like they're going to make another one. But yeah. all the lines in that little preview are basically, it's the Space Wolves reading like those little lines are at the bottom of every page in a Warhammer 40k rulebook. Yeah. Like, you know, I know my enemy, he is terrible, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Those are yeah. those are pretty funny to watch now, though. But Yeah, they're really old. Really old. But, you know... They, they tried, which is... Oh, yeah, cool. they did, which was... <laughs> it's just, it's funny to look back on it now, but I'm, I'm sure at the time they were incredible. Um, yeah. All right, well, uh, James, thank you so much for joining us again today. No, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been good to catch up with you guys after a year. You know, it's been... Um, it's, yeah, it's been a lot. It's, it's surprising how quickly it's gone, so thank you ever so much. I really, really appreciate it, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, we're definitely happy to have you on again. I'm sure we'll we'll be able to hopefully catch up with you at Adepticon this year and actually meet you in person. That would be lovely. That would be really really nice, guys. Honestly, and I'll definitely keep my eye out. You have to show me what you've done. I won't I won't know <laughs> spoilers, but I really want to see it. I'm sure they'll they'll you'll, find you. You'll find it. <laughs> yeah, you'll find actually, it. Actually, yeah, if you don't you'll, find from it, what I've heard, you'll find it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Honestly, is it is it 40k or is it iOS? 40k. It's 40k. Oh wow, I can't wait. Has it got lines? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, god damn it! Yes. Okay, I'm excited now. If let, let me put it to you this way, it's got light used in a way I have in ten years of going to Adepticon, I've never seen used before. Okay, I'm very interested. Like very interested. So, yeah, I'll have to. Uh, what I'll do, I'll tell you what, guys. When I'm there, find me. Yeah. Um, and if you're happy for me to do so, I'll take photos of it and I'll put it on the Siege Instagram and, and stuff for you as well if you're up for it. Um, and I'll put it out for you just to show your marvellous creation to the, to the community as far as I can. Awesome. Guys, you can find Seed Studios at seedstudios.co.uk. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. They're on Twitter. Also the uh, artist Opus Line of Brushes. Um, check them out. They do tons of great work. If you haven't heard their name, I'd be very surprised if you're part of the 40 gay community. Um, and check them out at Adepticon. Sounds like you'll have a Seize Gidos and an Artist Opus booth. Yeah, we do. We've got both. Nice. All right. We will see you guys in a few weeks. And James, thanks again so much for joining us. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. Always, always an absolute pleasure. So thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to 40K Radio, part of the Freebooters Network. You can contact us via email at hosts at 40kradio.com or on the Freebooters Forum. Please check out the other podcasts on the Freebooters Network. Until next time, remember that in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war and cookies.